Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani, and I wanted to let you know that each and every week I'm part of a great program called the Ringer MMA Show. I host it alongside two absolutely brilliant minds. Their names, Chuck Mendenhall and Pete Carroll. And every Thursday, a new episode drops where we preview the weekend in mixed martial arts and react to all the biggest news. Plus, after every UFC pay-per-view, we give you a post-fight show. So this is what you have to do. Just follow the Ringer MMA show on your Spotify app so you don't miss an episode. We'll talk to you then. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a special edition of New York, New York after game one of the Subway Series. Welcome in. Uh, welcome into all of our friends here on Twitter Spaces. Yankees come from behind down five to one and take down the New York Mets by the score of seven to six. And listen, let me start here. Both of these teams have been underwhelming. Both of these teams have been disappointing. But the deficiencies of why the Mets are currently presiding with a record of 31 and 36 were on full-fledged display for all of New York City to see. And it starts with the star players on this team. Can we start with Max Scherzer? Is Max Scherzer ever going to pitch a big game for the New York Mets for the second time in a week? Max Scherzer is handed a monstrous lead, and for the second time in a week, Max Scherzer takes that lead, and flushes it right down the toilet. 5-1 against a dead as a doornail. Yankee lineup. A Yankee lineup that's starting the likes of Billy McKinney and Jake Bowers, and they've got nothing out of LeMayu, and all of a sudden the Yankees are nickel and diamond you to death, and they go and score five runs against Max Scherzer to the point he's getting yanked out of the game? That's pathetic from Scherzer. Pathetic. And it's okay to acknowledge, it's okay to admit, this is a guy whose best days are clearly behind him. You want to tell me he could be an effective pitcher for the Mets? Fine. You want to tell me he could turn the season around? Fine. In big games, if you think you're getting Max Scherzer from the Washington Nationals, think again. If you think you're getting Max Scherzer from when he was peak with the Detroit Tigers, a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, no chance. No chance. Scherzer, a monstrous Met problem. You paid him to win games like this. 
to set a tone. He set a tone, all right. He set a tone in the wrong direction. Then there's Lindor. The bottom half of the eighth inning is on a silver platter for the Mets. Wandy Peralta walks Kenna. Nimmo gets the single, a play that, in my opinion, I thought Anthony Volpe could have and maybe should have made. He hits McNeil, and the bases are loaded with one out. You're supposed to be the big star on the Mets. You're supposed to be one of the best hitters in all baseball. Whether he is or not, acknowledge this. That's what they're paying him to do. You have to put the ball in play for goodness sakes. You have to put the ball in play. Bases loaded, one out, put it in play, and he strikes out to Clay Holmes. And then, of course, Starling Marte strikes out to end the inning. It was brilliant work by Holmes, no doubt. But the Mets star players, Scherzer, Lindor, they've been MIA all season. And sure enough, in game one of the Subway Series, when the Mets, who are reeling, who are scuffling worse than the Yankees are, they can't pick you up. Sometimes baseball is about the star player. For the Mets, it was on Tuesday night. But those stars, fading and falling, to say the least. Now, from a Yankee perspective, look, Severino was not great. Gives up five runs early. I thought it was going to be out of the game in the first inning. I thought it was a repeat of the Dodgers stadium start. And I guess to some degree, I can commend Severino for settling in a little bit. But honestly, when Beatty got that hit in the bottom half of the fifth inning, I'm wondering why in the world is Luis Severino staying in this game. And that's where Boone drives you to drink. Boone can't wait to get starting pitchers out of the game. He couldn't wait to get Schmidt out on Sunday when he's pitching great. He can't wait to get Domingo Herman out of games. But yet, Severino stinks tonight. He's throwing 100 pitches, and we're letting him throw 105 pitches on a night when he's given up seven hits, six runs, gives up five earned runs. Like, I, I don't understand that for the life of me. And that's where Aaron Boone drives you insane from a Yankee fan perspective. Now, that said, I want to give Boone credit for something because, you know, everybody gets on me now, these Yankee apologists. And it's amazing. See, this is why Twitter is amazing, folks. And this is why I love Twitter. And I love all of you. I love your patience. I love your passion. I love what you guys bring to the table. My Twitter timeline today is either JJ, get rid of the Yankee pom-poms because I'm critiquing the Mets. So the Mets fan who just doesn't like the fact that I'm a Yankee fan is going to get on me for that. And then I have the Yankee apologist. Oh, you, you're you too hard on Aaron Boom. Bye, 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 bye. It's like you can't win. I, I can't please any of you people in all seriousness. But what I'm about to do right now, I think it's going to surprise you guys. I'm going to give Aaron Boone a little bit of credit. He managed the game after the Mets tied it in the fifth with a little urgency. Runner on third. The play Brandon Nimmo doesn't make out in the outfield. Sets up Volpe second and third. And he sets up Donaldson to get what ended up being the difference in the game, which was the go-ahead sacrifice fly. That was a good managerial move. You know what else is a good managerial move? Going to Clay Holmes when Wandy Peralta did not have it. So I can show you and I can prove to you that when it is appropriate, of course, I can give the Yankee manager credit when he deserves it. And I'm going to rip him when he deserves it. That's how we do it around here. We call it like we see it. Positives for the Yankees, pretty simple. Stanton homering is a must. And Stanton owns the Mets. I mean, he owned them when he was with the Marlins. He's had great numbers with the Yankees coming to City Field. 
Stanilov's hitting against the Mets. He's got a bunch of bombs against Scherzer because he saw him a ton when he was in Washington. I'm not the least bit surprised Stanton homered. And he's probably going to homer tomorrow against Verlander. See a little Mayu homer is a nice sign. Got to get him going. And Volpe having a couple hits, even though one of them was a little fugazi, but he had the big double in that big inning for the Yankees. Signs of life. The veteran players especially, you can't be relying on Anthony Volpe, but the veteran players for the Yankees, in the absence of Aaron Judge, that means Stanton, that means Rizzo, that means LeMayu, they got to start pulling their weight. So after what was a bad homestand for the Yankees, good start to the Subway Series, and nice seeing a pulse. Nice seeing a pulse down 5-1 to one when I'm thinking, all right, this game is ready-made to order, and it's going to be a nice pick-me-up for the Mets. I should have realized, and I should have known better, that it is Max Scherzer in 2023 for the New York Mets, who just continue to find ways to lose these sort of games. All right, I see you guys chomping at the bit. I see you guys are ready to go. I see you. I hear you. I'm I'm all fired up. My makeup is done. I'm going to do TV right after. I'm prepared tonight. I'm prepared tonight. Let's lead it off. Uh, our pal Anthony in Tom's River, he gets us started. Hi, Anthony. How we doing, bud? Hey, JJ. It's good to talk to you again. How you doing? Anthony, my pleasure. What's up, dude? What's going on? Yeah. Uh, no, this was, uh, you know, this was, uh, I, I'm not saying like a must win, but definitely a sense of urgency for both teams. And, you know, for the Yankees, it's almost like as long as they can just like tread water, stay 500 till Judge comes back, I think they'll be fine. I think with the Mets, obviously they're reeling right now. They need, they need these wins. Um, from a Yankee standpoint, yeah, you took my, the main point I wanted to bring up, which is Aaron Boone, which drives me crazy. Um, I, the, you know, it's one thing if you want to let Severino still pitch, and he obviously didn't have it today, but just be consistent with what you're doing. Oh, there's no consistency, Anthony, Anthony, Anthony. If you think you're getting consistency from this Yankee manager, you haven't paid attention to his tenure since 2018. And I was okay with him starting the bottom half of the fifth inning. Let me make that perfectly clear. But when Brett Beatty hits a BB up the middle, I'm watching the game saying, get his ass out. It's an obvious call for me. Get his ass out. And I know he gets the second out and there's a runner on second base. I'm flipping back and forth because I like hearing both broadcasts. So I'll usually hear the Yankee broadcast when the Mets are up and I'll hear the Mets broadcast when the Yankees are up. I like getting the different vantage points, of course. And, and Cone was all over it. And Kay was all over it. They're like, I'm stunned he's still in this game. And Boone was wrong on that decision. But again, I'll give him a little bit of credit. Again, because I kill him all the time. So I want to at least be transparent and fair. Going to Holmes there, bases loaded one out, surprised me a little bit. Good decision. Pinch hitting Donaldson. A lot of times, Boone waits forever to send these guys into the game. He said, hey, second and third one out. We got a chance to go take the lead. Let me use one of my best bullets off the bench. Like, that's the sort of stuff. Hey. It's good to see at least. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and I'll leave you with this. You know, you mentioned this as well. Like, we know how the end of the year is going to, uh, you know, turn out with Boone with these decisions. Um, the Yankees have probably one of the best, if not the best, bullpens in Major League Baseball right now. They're playing lights out. And it's going to be interesting to see as the season progresses how he manages the starting pitching. You know, when he pulls a guy, when he's itching to go to the pen, he's got to have a feel for how this game goes. And it just blows my mind how a third-generational player, you know, his family's been in baseball. It's almost like he loses his feel and he's just going with numbers. And it just drives me crazy sometimes. I know it drives you crazy, but you know, we'll see how this whole thing plays out. Anthony, it, will, it is a good win tonight. It's one of the better wins the Yankees have had in 2023. Uh, Aaron Boone will continue to drive me to drink. 
But, you know, you hear from certain Yankee fans out there and certain people in the media, and they think he's the greatest manager since Bill Huggins. So, I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, let's head to the great Kenny in Staten Island. Kenny, I'm sure you're in wonderful spirits tonight. Hello, sir. Oh, please. What a disgrace all around. You, you just, this shares it here. You know, it, this, this is disgusting to watch, How, especially against a Yankee lineup that, that supposedly is AAA. And, and with, with the Mets, with Lindor, he's terrible. He's terrible. How do you... Kenny, how do you not put the ball in play there? I mean, Clay Holmes, the pitch that he struck out, that is right there. That was a cookie. And he couldn't put the ball in play. And Lindor this year is looking at a batting average at 213, an on-base percentage at 293. Uh, and, and he's making 30-plus million dollars a year. I don't want to hear about his homers and his RBIs. This guy is not living up to the billing this year in the least. And again, Kenny, this night was rather symbolic of everything that has gone wrong for the Mets so far this year. Your star players, your star players, Scherzer gets a 5-1 lead and gives it right back to the Yankees. And Lindor, with a chance to go and be a hero and win the game, can't even put the ball in play to go and even give you a chance to tie it or win it. That, that sums it up, Kenny. It does. Before I get to, before I get to my point on Boone, the, this basically is an extension from when the Mets got swept by the Braves in September last year. It's carried over. It's the same garbage we watched against the Padres. And, you know, listen, Boone, I take him over Buck in a heartbeat because tonight Buck just looked lost. How do you let your pitcher go out there, Drew Smith, whatever substance he had, you have to know what's going on with your plays. And the other thing is, listen. But you know what, though? In fairness, Kenny, I mean, listen, the Yankees sent the Mingo Hermana out there with a sticky stuff situation. So I, I don't know. But how do you know? It, it, easier, easier said than done on that, though, Kenny. I mean, easier said than done. You want to tell me Drew Smith's in the dugout and you see him and, you know, there's a warning sign or whatnot. He's coming from the bullpen. I don't know what you want Buck or Aaron Boone to do for that matter when you got somebody coming in from the bullpen Somebody who has clearly been scuffling. So I'm sure for Drew Smith, he's probably saying, shit, I got to do something to turn my season around. I'm not gripping the ball. Let me try this stuff and maybe it'll get me going. He's got to learn how to cheat a lot better though, Kenny. I think that's the bigger problem. Learn how to cheat. Mm -hmm. and, and, and as a Met fan, listen, I know they've been getting on Volu back, but you have to take your shot with him instead of Guillaume in the ninth inning. He might run into one finally. He's been overdue for for the whole season, you can't send Guillaume up there to try to tie the game. You can't. You got to have Vogelback hit there because maybe... I mean, you want to see... Kenny, you honestly, in all honesty, Kenny, you wanted to see Vogelback up there? You got to give the best shot to hit the ball over the fence. But that's exactly... See, Kenny, that's exactly my point, though. I think Keith thinks, and I agree with him on this, Louis G gives him a better chance than Vogelback. To hit the ball over the fence? I don't, I just want to extend it, but I want, I forget about going over the fence. I want to extend the inning. I want to extend the inning. I'm down a run. Giorma gets on base. Maybe he steals second. Kanna gets on base. Maybe he could go and do the job. Nobody wants to see Volker back up there. I totally disagree. Good call, Kenny, but I totally disagree. That is, to me, the, the least of your worries from a Mets standpoint. Want to see Volker back up. No, th no thanks. No thanks. Let's head to Jeremy. He joins us next. Jeremy, the floor is yours. Welcome. Hello, sir. Hey, JJ. How are you doing? Hi, Jeremy. Uh, I'm doing okay, Jeremy. No complaints. What's up, dude? Perspective. We are paying Starling Marte, Francisco Lindor, and Max Scherzer $99 million this year. I looked this up because I was so pissed about this loss. And all three of them, in one of the biggest games of the year, 
come up short. I mean, you can blame Buck, you can blame Epler, you can blame whatever, but but when you're three guys who are paying enormous amounts of money, strike out with the bases loader, then Scherzer just coughs up six runs, when that's what you have to be upset about. And there's more that upsets me. Like, like, like Scherzer and Verlander, you were talking about at the beginning, you know, Scherzer's not the guy he was. To me, Scherzer and Verlander remind me of Pedro Martinez and Tom Glavin. Two Hall of Famers. We got them at the end of their careers. And whenever we needed them to have big games, they never did. I mean, they had good starts, you know, but, but like Glavin gave up seven runs last day of the season. Pedro, I don't even think he pitched an 06 in the playoffs, but I was too young for that. But I just remember, like, these guys were washed. They were all of Amherst. It was cool, but like, it's the same thing. These guys, you're not getting them at their peak. Listen, I think there's something to that, Jeremy. And to go back in time, Glavin had good years with the Mets. He had a very successful 2006 season, but you're right. In 2007, he faded down the stretch. And in the biggest game of the year, when the Mets were trying to get themselves into the postseason, he couldn't make it out of the first inning against the Florida Marlins. So that is the forever legacy for Tom Glavin. And Pedro had a productive and successful first year with the Mets. And then by the time 2006 rolled around, his body was shot and he clearly wasn't the same guy. Now, we saw Scherzer last year pitch at a very high level for a good chunk of the year. But here's also a part of that narrative. We saw Scherzer get hurt multiple times. And when the games mattered the most, Scherzer stunk. He stunk against the Braves last weekend in a regular season. He was even worse against the San Diego Padres in the postseason. And now you're seeing Scherzer in these big games stinking up the joint again. They needed him against the Braves the other night. He's dealing and, and he implodes. This game against the Yankees, they give you a 5-1 lead. This is a dead team. You got to go win that game, Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah, and I've been a fan for years and we've always had great starting pitching, even though when we were terrible. 5-1 in the third inning. Like 75% of the time, the game's over. I can kick back. I can relax. This team, I'm like, okay, this, this lead's going to be blown by the sixth. And I want to make one last point about Buck. Buck has not had a great year so far. I, how do you bat Luis Giorme, who got sent down for a month and a half the last at bat? You have Vientos and Vogelback in the dugout. I hate Vogelback. At least he has a 3% chance of hitting on. You guys want to see? You, you know what? I have no problem with your argument if you're going to make it for Vientos. I don't want to hear about Vogelback. Jeremy, why, let's be honest. But what Met fan wanted to see Vogelback come up there? In, in all honesty. Well, he shouldn't be here. I, I, Jeremy, you nailed it. I, I totally agree with that. He shouldn't be here. He is wasting a roster spot. That's, that's fine. You want to tell me he's here, that's his job, that's his purpose. He's not hitting home runs. Stinks. Stinks. Like, send a Vogelback up there. What Met... Find me a method that honestly, legitimately wanted to see Daniel Vogel back hit there. And I'm not telling you, Giorme was sent down in the minor league, some great option. He did have an RBI hit in the game. Vogel back, please. You don't want to see Vogel back up there. You don't. Let's head to our buddy, Bradley, who's up next. He joins us. Bradley, the floor is yours. Welcome in. Hey, JJ, how's everything going? Uh, Bradley, you're doing well. We're in the uh, wonderful SNY conference room, getting ready uh, to have a nice conversation with you. Uh, we got some good Subway Series vibes. I'll tell you this. Listen, both teams got their issues. They got their problems. That was an entertaining baseball game tonight, Bradley. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. One of the more fun baseball games I've seen in a long time uh, for a Subway Series, I have to admit. I mean, first of all, I mean, it was really good seeing Stan hit that home run in the first inning, kind of like setting the tone. And then all the good vibes like went out the building when, uh, when Severino gave up 
several a couple of runs in the next two innings. And I tell you, Severino, a guy who's in a contract year, I mean, I don't know what's going on with him, but he, this is just really bad pitching. I mean, let's be real. I mean, Severino just looked horrible. And I totally agree with you, too, on the logic about Boone. Like, keep him in there at 105 pitches when, you know, Saturday night he leaves he takes Domingo Herman out when he only pitched 82 pitches. I mean, that just it just makes no sense. But uh, Fred Boone tonight, I mean, he did do a good job with uh, with overall saying, you know, Josh Donaldson in for the sacrifice fly, which ultimately was the difference maker. And Bradley, that should be acknowledged because it's not an obvious move to a lot of people. You know, in many instances, we've seen this with Aaron Boone and we've seen it with other managers. They are not as willing to burn that sort of move or use that sort of bullet in like the sixth inning of a ball game. They'll wait till the eighth. They'll wait till the ninth. And then sometimes you get to the point in the game where it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So that was a moment in the game where they said, look, we trust Donaldson more than Bowers. Let's send him up there. Hopefully he does the job. And that's exactly what he did. Donaldson made Aaron Boone look good by getting that sack fly. Exactly. I mean, it definitely made uh, made difference. And I'll tell you, it was really good seeing DJ with that two-run home run. I mean, he he needed that. I mean, if that's something that can help him get going, I mean, that's just that he has got to get going. I, mean, yeah, I know we're not going to see you know DJ uh, put up like the numbers that he did probably back in 2019 again and 2020. But if we can just get like a fraction of that, I mean, I'll he's got to be better than this. I mean, he's Bradley. He's at a point now where you could make the argument he's unplayable. And, and the fact that we could sit here and have a conversation in discussing that Josh Donaldson is potentially more valuable, that should tell you everything you need to know about DJ LeMayu. So, yeah, I'm stunned by it. He was my favorite Yankee before they got Rizzo. He's a guy you wanted up with the game on the line. And even last year, before he got hurt, he was back in many ways to being the quote-unquote DJ of old. So I, I, I don't know if he can be that guy. I, I, I worry about the injuries getting the best of him. But the Yankees need a better version of what LeMayu has given them. You know what I mean? Like, he cannot be a 230 hitter for this team. They need a lot more from not only LeMayu, but Stanton and all these veteran guys as you continue to wait Aaron Judge coming back. Yep, we, talk, we talked about it the other day before the Red Sox series. I mean, all the, the veteran guys, I mean, you know, it was a good start. But, you know, tonight with Stanton, you know, LeMayu. I mean, Rizzo still's got, still has to get it going a little bit. But you're right. I mean, the veterans, while Judge is gone until he gets back, um, they have to step up and they have to carry the load now for this team for the next couple of weeks. Hopefully, God willing, if Judge gets back sooner than we think. Bradley, it's amazing they're 10 games over 500. I'm not going to lie. Like, I look at the Yankee team. I look at their lineup. I know their bullpen has been great. Numbers-wise, the best bullpen in baseball. You still don't feel like you trust them. Is that okay for me to admit as a Yankee fan? Like, when guys come into games, I'm not, like, beat up. Game over. Nothing to worry about here. Tough to have that vibe. I'm sorry. Just is. And maybe it's because they don't have the quote-unquote closer. Maybe that's why I feel the way that I do. I don't know what to tell you. But I don't know how the hell they take games over 500. Rodon has not thrown a pitch. Severino has not been good. Judges missed multiple weeks. Bader has missed multiple weeks. But it's weird because you'd be like, yeah, 10 games over 500, you feel great. But the Rays are running high in the division. The Orioles are not going anywhere. And don't be surprised, folks, if that final playoff spot in the American League comes down to the Yankees and the Blue Jays. Because I don't think the Orioles are going anywhere. Watching them again tonight, they're beating the piss out of the Blue Jays. 
Good team. Young team. Hungry team. Very, very good team. So, they just got their work cut out. They got their work cut out. I think they'll make the playoffs. I do. If I had a wager on it, I'd put uh, my money on yes, but they got their work cut out. Let's head to uh, Phil. Phil joins us next. Hi, Phil. What's going on? Hey, JJ. How's it going? Uh, I'm all right, Phil. No complaints. What's good, dude? All right. So a couple things here. First of all, you know, the thing about Scherzer that kind of pisses me off is that I didn't even want him because it was kind of like the same thing with Glavin in that I rooted against this guy for 10 years. He was on a division rival. He was past his prime. They sign him, and then he sticks it up my rear end again by being washed up. So that just it just hurts even more. So he didn't even want him to begin with. And like he sits and complains about the rosin, about the pitch clock. You know what? How about you get you hold a lead? Blows a four-one lead last week to Atlanta. Now five-one lead against the, uh, against a really brutal Yankees lineup tonight. It was not a good Yankees lineup, and he couldn't make it out of the fourth inning. I mean, he stinks. Okay, then Lindor. Like I want to like him. He's accountable post game. He plays good defense. He seems to be a bit of a leader. But to have paid this guy three hundred twenty-five million for a seven hundred OPS, and even last year when he was super productive, his OPS was under eight hundred. So this is going to be three consecutive years of an under eight hundred OPS for a guy you're paying three hundred twenty-five million, which is just brutal. And then you know, the, uh, two other quick things. One is that you know Epler preaches and preaches every offseason. You can never have enough pitching depth. Never enough pitching depth. Meanwhile, their pitching staff is horrific. Their bullpen is thin, and they've already gone through a turnstile of terrible fifth starters like McGill, Peterson, and Lucchese. So, I mean, you talk about pitching depth, and then the pitching stinks. And then just to add to, like, our, our, our joy, Conforto's OPS is over 800 now, and Gary Sanchez just hit a sixth home run for the Padres tonight. And you know what? You have vocal back and Giorme on the roster instead. Uh, but it's okay. It's not like you needed a DH. And then why the hell did they bring Vientos up if you're not going to play him? I'd rather stay in AAA and have some- Makes absolutely no sense. Phil, these are some excellent, excellent points. Um, And listen, I was annoyed about Sanchez coming here because I thought it was going to mean taking at bats away from a guy like Francisco Alvarez. But the point you just illustrated is spot on. They could have let Gary Sanchez at this rate DH, forget about putting him behind a plate. They could have stuck him at the DH spot and played him for two or three weeks. And I guarantee it is. I don't know if he'd be hitting the way he's hitting for the San Diego Padres. There's no way in the world he'd be worse than Vogelback. Vientos, I don't understand for the life of me what Vientos did to Met Press. He raked in Syracuse. Now, again, it's Syracuse. It's AAA. That doesn't necessarily mean that Vientos is going to go and take a cover off the ball here. But why is he not getting burned? Why is he not getting opportunities? And their bullpen took a hit. Losing Diaz. You can't ignore that. It slid everybody up a spot. But the rest of the bullpen is not good. Drew Smith sucks. He, he, he is awful. He's not any good. Tommy Hunter. Like, the, think about some of the guys that are running out there. Dominic Leone's the best they could do. Dominic Leone. For a team that has as high a payroll as the Mets, to have a roster as flawed as the Mets is unacceptable. Is it not? They got the highest, biggest payroll in all of baseball. Yet their awards so over the roster. That's unacceptable. Let's head to our buddy Don who joins us next. Don, I just punched you up. I had a little issue there on my end because of my fat fingers, but we're all good. What's up, Don? How we doing? Hey, man. Good to talk to you again. So, you know, it's funny. For 
a guy like me who's been really um on, I've been down on Boone for a long time, uh, really for being like a micromanager in many ways and always and constantly taking guys out too early, at least in my opinion. I can't kill him for tonight, even though I agree with a lot of what you said. But I think he was thinking, you know, Severino had uh, an easy fourth inning, finally, after three rough innings. Then, you know, even before he took him out or before he came out after the, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the last hit there, it was soft contact on the second out there of the inning. And I think ultimately Boone was thinking, you know what, can I get this guy through the fifth inning, make him uh, cause at that point they were still obviously had the lead, let him leave with the lead. Maybe they actually win the game and he gets a W. And I think he's thinking, you know, I need this guy. I need this guy to be a pitcher in my rotation. I need his confidence up. So I understand the pitch count and all that. And your argument is, is definitely um, accurate, but, I can't kill Boone for that. I think he was trying to give the guy a shot to prove himself and just didn't work out. So it is what it is. Well, I think that's what his thought process was. But it's it's amazing, though, the double standard, though, Don, and what he'll do in managing Domingo Herman and what he'll do managing Clark Schmidt, like we saw on Sunday. And those are guys that are throwing the baseball much better than Severino was throwing the baseball. That's my thing. If a guy is throwing the baseball great, I don't want to hear about the third time through the order bullshit because that's exactly what it is. Not every start is the same. It's not the same. There are different variables in play. There are different lineups in play. There are sometimes you feel a lot better on a certain night than you do on other nights. This was a night to me where Severino didn't have it. He didn't have it in the first inning. He didn't have it in the second inning. I know he got a little bit better as this game went along. And to your point, you want to start him in the fifth inning? Fine. You want to start him? Gives up the hit to Beatty? That's what I'm taking him out of the game. Beatty roped the ball up the middle. Almost took his face off, for goodness sakes. That's what I'm sitting there watching the game saying, you know what? It's time. Go to the bullpen and don't flush this game down the toilet. When you haven't been scoring runs, you come back from down 5-1. I want to manage that game with a little bit more sense of urgency. That's the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, no, I agree with a lot of what you said. I, I think he just views Severino as a guy who's a more important piece, though, than he does even Herman and some of the other pitchers in the rotation. And so, especially because of what you just said, like his last two starts have not been good. And I think he's trying to get his confidence back up and he knows he's going to need him. And he's hoping that he doesn't know what the hell he's going to get out of Rodon. I mean, none of us do. So, I mean, who knows this? He might need Sevy to be their second starter come, you know, come postseason time. And he's just trying to, I think, let him, you know, prove himself again as potentially one of those ace type caliber pitchers. And so anyway, that that's the thought process that I think he had. And so I just can't kill him for it. There's going to be plenty of opportunity for me to kill Boone for probably micromanaging in the very next game. But uh, for this one, I didn't actually think it was that big of a deal to let him try to finish it out. And, you know, it didn't work out, obviously. So, Well, listen, the bottom line, though, Don, they won the game. And I, I kill the manager all the time. I'll be fair. Send it Donaldson up. Good decision. Aggressive decision. Going to Holmes there. When Holmes is not great with runners on base. Good decision. I mean, I'm re-watching this ball Beatty hit up the middle. I mean, this is an absolute BB. BB. That was all I needed to see from Severino. I'm all, I'm all good with trying to build up guys' confidence, but at the end of the day, you just lost two out of, what, six games at home. You're in a tight race. You got to win games. Like, uh, confidence can be built in other ways in other areas. One-run game, uh, that's not the time and the place, at least for me. Let's head to uh, our buddy Eric is up next. Eric, the floor is yours. Hello, sir. Welcome in. 
it's going to go back to obviously it was a you know obviously a big win tonight. Always feels good to beat um, New York Junior. Um, I the, my biggest problem was like you know I thought they should have removed Severino after the after that one hit. Which you know I get it, it happens because Severino he had a oh he was you know he did all right. He had that one two three inning, but did Boone miss the first couple of innings where he got absolutely shellacked? Well, that's my thing, Eric. See, that's that's my problem. I, I see him take out Domingo Herman throwing one-hitters with 80 pitches. I, I saw him on Sunday night take Schmidt out of the game because of the third time through the order and the lefty statistics. I mean, this is a game where Severino had terrible stuff. So, like, you got him into the fifth inning. I kind of looked at it where it was a win that you even got him into the fifth inning. I mean, you know, I probably, you know, it was especially when, like, for me, like, I'm like, Boone, you have the literally, I think, you know, arguably, you know, despite despite all the injuries, you have one of the better bullpens in baseball. Use it, especially against, especially in a situation where these grinded out games are going to be a reality up until, until we start getting more guys back. Look, the Yankees are in a position where wins without Aaron Judge should be treated like gold. I'm dead serious. Eric, it is remarkable the Yankees can win games without Aaron Judge. They haven't hit at all without him in the lineup. They had an outfield tonight of Billy McKinney, IKF, and Jake Bowers. Just think about that for a minute. You win games with guys like that in the lineup, dancing, dancing. It's a weird spot because you don't love the look and the feel of the team. You don't love the fact that you're nine games out of first place. but Considering a lot of the stuff that's gone wrong for them in the middle of June, 10 over 500. Hard to believe, but they're 10 over 500. Let's head to Elmhurst. Charlie. Hi, Charlie. Boy, this was a drunken game. This was a tr- It was, Charlie. Probably the most entertaining game, aside from that Friday night Tampa game, probably the most entertaining game they've played this year. I mean, both starting pitchers. And I think both sides, they have complaints with their manager. But the Yankees, they came in the worst shape possible. And you saw some life, like Stanton, and especially for Volpe. Like, Volpe, like, he, he has been affected the most because Stanton and Rizzo not hitting. And, of course, LeMahieu got to show some life. So, I think it's life for the Yankees. But Severino is, like, garbage. I mean, what the hell is wrong with this dude? He's basically a fastball and changeup dude, uh, getting smoked after after, and it was tail up to half of Boone because Boone, of course, we all know as a Yankee fan, we never gotta trust this dude at all. This clown. <laughs> I mean, listen, Charlie, the Yankee fans that do haven't watched the last six years of postseason baseball, you know, and, and it is amazing to me, Charlie. Listen, this just kind of shows you. The cesspool that is Twitter, even though I sit here on Twitter spaces as we post this as a podcast. So I uh, I admit that I'm being a little hypocritical right now, but that's okay. Uh, I will get on the Yankee manager and people are like, oh, but his winning percentage, it's this, it's that. It's like, hold on a second, guys. Do you watch Do you watch the same games I watch? And then I'm hearing from some of the Mets fans, oh, you're just waving Yankee pom-poms. That's what I got tonight, Charlie. So that that is the life that I live. In watching these games and reacting on social media, I know I'm going to piss somebody off. It is what it is, bro. It is what it is. And, yeah, I mean, that fifth inning, I mean, keeping Severino was an absolute 
uh, uh, I mean, mind-numbing, like, idiotic move. Then he, he probably made, made a mistake. So they show some urgency. And Kodos, Kemi, putting homes in with the bases loaded. And he comes through. So uh, Yankee bullpen, uh, you know, I mean, I still believe I don't trust this bullpen at all. I mean, statistically, they're overvalued and overrated. But they got the job done. And yeah, I mean, every like win they get with Judge Dow, it's monumental. Minor monumental. Charlie, just find ways to stack them. We'll see if Derek Cole can follow it up tomorrow. We'll be live from City Field tomorrow right after the game, which I am fired up for. Um, it's a weird time to be a Yankee fan. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's a weird time. Like, I, I see 10 over 500. Great. I see nine games out of first place. Horrible. I look at the lineup, and I'm like, how are they going to score runs on a given night? The veteran players stepping up is a nice place to start. All right, we'll take two more, and then I got to do TV. Uh, let's head to Bobby, who's up next. Hello, Bobby. Hey, John. How are you, man? Long time no chat. It's been a while. How you been? Well, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're all good, Bobby. What's up, uh, Diehard Mets fan. I, I, I've said this is the beginning of the season with this team. This team was a joke. That they don't care. You see, you saw it tonight. You saw it in that in the in the inning in the eighth and bottom of the eighth, with the bases loaded and one out. There was no fire, no fight, no nothing from Francisco Lindor and Starling Marte. And then this this. Well, I wouldn't say that there's no effort. I I don't like that, Bobby, because I do think the guys are trying, but the execution is pathetic. That's what it boils down to, and the performance that you're getting from your star players has been pathetic. Pathetic all year from Lindor. Scherzer yucking up four-run leads for the second time in a week. That, to me, is where you have issues. It's not about effort. It's about performance. What's funny, John, is I go back to the beginning of... I go back to six weeks ago. So six weeks ago, we were playing the Giants out there in San Francisco. And I was in a space. I don't know if it was this one or another one. And I brought something up to the fact of this team doesn't want to hit. Francisco Lindor from the left side of the plate has been struggling. But he goes to the right side, and he's been fine. And then you have the pitching issues. You have Justin Verlander, who can't get out of the first inning without giving up a run, either that be a base hit or a home run. You have Max Scherzer, who, again, has a 5-1 lead and blows it. I called it earlier today what was going to happen with the blow in the fifth inning, and he did. Where, where's our owner? I want to know where Steve Cohen is right now. Is he in Las Vegas watching the Golden Knights lift the Stanley Cup? Because Well, you know, Bobby, I thought we were going to hear from Steve Cohen. That's a great point. You're not getting a missive. You're not getting the Steve Cohen Steinbrenner. Firing people, firing off tweets, preaching patience right now. But patience is not there from a Met fan. With their payroll to be five games under 500 in the middle of June is completely unacceptable. Let's take one more. Uh, let's head to, uh, I guess, the leader of the Brett Beatty fan club. Brett joins us. What's up, bud? Hey, what's going on, JJ? Brett, hello, hello, hello. How we doing, babe? It is June 13th, and the New York Mets have Kodai Senga and Carlos Carrasco as their two best pitchers. Verlander and Scherzer are nowhere to be found on the big stage. And it's not like they're giving up soft contact, home run here or there. They're getting smoked all over the ball field. I mean, I don't know if you saw tonight, you know, for some of the quote-unquote outs that Scherzer got, these balls were smoked. 
I mean, the guy, his fastball does not have the same run that it had. He can't throw it up in the zone. He can't beat guys. The slider just does not have any late movement. <clears throat> it's it's incredibly disappointing. And, and when you look at where we are at the, in, in the season, the rotation, the bullpen, there's just absolutely nothing to look forward to. No idea where we go from here. Um, well, Brett, listen, it's a very simple answer and solution. And I understand that frustration and your point on Sega and Carrasco outperforming Scherzer and Verlander is alarming, disturbing, and dare I say accurate. But if those stars are not going to show up for the Mets in 2023, well, that's all she wrote for 2023. This is a ton of fun. We'll do this again tomorrow. We'll preview the U.S. Open. Our buddy Mike Carver joined us for the PGA. He's going to join us with some picks. So we close it out with some picks for the U.S. Open. He was with us for the PGA, did a fantastic job. Hopefully, we're going to have the same sort of success that we had for the PGA as I welcome in Mike Carver from SportsGrid. Buddy, primetime golf, L.A. Country Club, House is going to be out there. Simmons is going to be out there. All the stars are going to be out there. You and I, though, on the couch, Father's Day weekend, not a bad treat, you know? Uh, not a bad treat, especially since uh, these are my favorites, Johnny, and it's always great to be with you. The West Coast major, specifically the U.S. Open, obviously, is awesome. I love it. Primetime coverage up until I actually thought I saw on the on the uh, channel guide, Johnny, till 11 p.m. East nice. on Saturday and Sunday night uh, going into the final round. I think you'll end a lot earlier than that. Probably around 10 East is when you'll get a winner on Sunday. But that is the best. I think it's awesome for television. It's awesome for East Coasters. Awesome for me, Johnny, because I can tuck the kids into bed at eight and get the last two hours of the back nine of the leaders all to myself. Let's go. I love the sound of that. You get yourself a nice little cocktail, too, in the process. And oh, you yeah. have yourself one hell of a Father's Day. Um, In general, Mikey, for people looking at this event compared to the other events, just the major in and of itself, U.S. Open, the course conditions are usually brutal. I mean, I'm watching videos this week of the rough just gobbling and eating up balls and destroying them to the high heavens. What about the U.S. Open changes your handicap in thinking about certain styles and certain players? How do you handle this tournament year in and year out from that standpoint? You want guys that you know can play tough courses. You want guys who you know are not going to back down and if they hit a couple of bad shots, go bonkers and give their whole round up. You need guys with the mental toughness to be able to get through this. As you said, this is the toughest test in golf. Uh, Every year, they set these U.S. Open courses up to test the player. I think that some years, Johnny, they maybe go a little too far when it comes to uh, the difficulty scale. But from what I've seen the last couple of days, uh, getting revved up here for LA Country Club, and I, and I like when they do a course like this that's not in the, you know, the quote-unquote regular rotation. I, I like when they have an outside-the-box course like this, and I think it's awesome. You talk about tough. There are some par threes here, Johnny. I mean, 290 yards. Uh, is what they're. I'm breaking out the driver, at. Mikey. At uh, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, they've got a 284 at hole number seven. Like I was reading earlier, I think 
two of the three longest par threes in U.S. Open history are going to be these two holes uh, this week at the L.A. Country Club. Some really long par fours to finish off the back nine. The rough, as you mentioned, they put the clip out of the guy dropping the ball in the rough off the green and just absolutely disappearing. They'll shave a little bit of that by Thursday morning. Believe me, they will. But still, they like sending out those videos for effect. You need to have mental toughness, Johnny. That's the number one thing with me. Okay, we got three monster favorites here. Scheffler, yes. who's in the top five of every single tournament imaginable. Yep. John Rahm, who got off to an amazing start early in the year, won the Masters, has cooled off over these last few weeks. And then you have our guy, who was good to us at the PGA, Mr. Kepka, who has been doing a whole lot of partying since he's won the PGA. I see him at every Heat game. I see him at every Panther game. But now he's got his red, white, and blue golf bag. And you're not getting him at 20 to 1. You're not getting him at 40 no. to 1. He is a much more lower and not as fun and as juicy a price as maybe you would have gotten a month ago. So, out of those three, Kepka, Rom, Scheffler, who you like the most? It's extremely hard. I think that you could make a case for any of the three of them uh, to be favored. I, I think you could have made it, even as great as Scheffler has been, uh, aside from his putting, I think you could have made a case that Kepka could be the favorite, but Scheffler's deserving. Of the chalk that I'm going to back, I am going to back John Rahm. Uh, oh, I'm the surprised by that answer. Out okay. of the three. Now, look, do I think that Brooks and Scotty Scheffler are going to be in the top 10, possibly the top five? Do I think that they are going to be in this golf tournament on Sunday? Absolutely. I, I don't think this is a week where either of those guys are going to be uh, left in the dust. But I like Rahm at the U.S. Open. He's one of those guys, Johnny, that I talk about. He doesn't mind settling for pars on courses like this. He understands the grind. He's won a U.S. Open before. Brooks, ha he's won two of them. Uh, these guys understand the situation. I know you mentioned Brooks partying. I watched Brooks a little bit on Tuesday. I watched his press conference as well. He may have been partying, JJ, but he looks as laser-focused as he always is for these events. And I can feel the confidence coming off of him, off of his performance at the PGA Championship at Upstate and Rochester, off of his performance at the Masters. He can smell it, JJ, that he's back. He can smell it, that he could start to get to numbers that the greats of this game have not gotten to. And his game is sharp. I'd be careful. Kepka's going to be around this week. You know, I'm not going to bet him to win the tournament, Mike, just because it's hard and we see so many different guys win. You tell me now Brooks Kepka's going to win back-to-back -back majors. That would be absolutely insane. Um, you think about where he was, though, a year ago. I mean, I'm watching a full swing now, Mike. I know I'm late to the party. I should have watched it a long time ago. Just getting to it now? Yeah, dude. You know me. There's a lot of stuff on the queue. I know. I know. There's a lot on the queue and the DVR and whatnot. Dude, he was such a beaten man. Watching Finished. him in that documentary, I'm like, holy shit, he is a... I can't believe this guy in a and, year got it back to where he was when he was winning and, when we saw him at freaking Beth Page Black. I know. And now he's... And, and, and just a year later, and now he's sitting up there on Tuesday at the U.S. Open press conference. He's like, this don't phase me at all. They started asking him about the live stuff. He's like, I love this. All these guys are going to be focused. All these guys are going to bother them. It's going to bother them. It don't bother me. I'm ready to come out here and win. Like, there's just... There is so much confidence that comes out of this guy 
that he's going to be dangerous. Now, I didn't bet him at the PGA either, uh, Johnny. I did. I picked him up after round two. You hopped on. Uh, you hopped on. I, I, oh, I hopped on at 10 to 1 uh, when going into round number two of the weekend, and I ended up catching it. And that's okay, too. Guys, you got to, especially with golf betting, it's not all just about getting in before the thing starts. It is a weekend-long grind. Uh, always relook at the board after each round, specifically Friday night going into the weekend after the cut. Uh, there is still lots of money to be made. Okay. You mentioned Liv. The Liv yeah. guys in these majors have played really, really well. I mean, Phil and what he did at the Masters, Kepka and what he's done. DeChambeau played really well at the PGA. I am looking at Liv guys to make noise here at the U.S. Open, and I have two in mind, Mikey. Bryson DeChambeau, and I'm not his biggest fan, and I normally don't root for the guy. I am in on DeChambeau. I think the number is too good to pass up. You can find it in some places north of 40 to 1. He's striking the ball great. He's putting great. I think that number is just too damn good. I am yep. on DeChambeau, top 5, top 10, and to win. And then the other guy I like, because I think his game is set up well for this course, and it's set up well for the U.S. Open. And I bet him a lot, and I play him a lot. Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith's been yeah. kind of hanging around here. Those are two live guys. And when I'm filling out my card, I have them making serious noise. Can I entice you on either one? Uh, I'm in on DeChambeau. Uh, I, I'm going to be in on top 10. I'm going to be in on top 20. I don't know if I can go as far for him to win it. But I also, like you, uh, what I saw from him at the PGA Championship last month, it intrigued me. And um, he looks better. He doesn't look like a cartoon character anymore uh, out there on the course with the puffed up muscles and all that. Uh, I think he's really refocused his game. Um, and 40 to 1, 41 to 1, I've seen some. That, it's a really good price for him. But I'm going to stick with the 10s and the 20s there. Uh, Cameron Smith, I can never fault anybody for betting Cameron Smith. What would worry me here is he's not very accurate with the driver. And I think at this place, you're going to need to be accurate. Uh, even the Bombers, you know, I've heard a lot this week that the Bombers can kind of get saved. Maybe. Uh, I, I think that you're going to need some accuracy at this place. And Cameron Smith just isn't accurate enough for me off the tee. I will be all in on him, Johnny, uh, to be the de- he's going to be the defending champion next month uh, at the Open Championship. Should be called the British, as we know. Uh, I'll be right in there. I'll give you two live guys uh, to go along with them. And you know one guy I play pretty much every tournament, but I play him in spots like this because as much as everybody hates his guts, he's great at tough courses and he's great at majors and he's got the top 10s and the top 5s and the top 20s to prove it. And that's Patrick Reed. Get on right, with everybody. the fat man. Let's listen, go. Listen, Let's go. Go look. He's there every time. All right? And he's won before. I got him at 90. Uh, I'm in on him to win this week. Uh, 90 so, to 1 is the number. Uh, I might join uh, you I on that. 90 fa- Look, it's a little, little happy meal bet on him at 90 to 1. And absolutely, and absolutely for a T10 uh, and a T20. Uh, I'll be in for Reed. And the other guy, Joaquin Neiman. All right? Uh, Joaquin Neiman is a guy to watch this week. Went to the Live Tour. Now, I've heard that this course isn't like other California courses that are on the tour. Torrey Pines, Riviera, Pebble Beach, etc. But at Riviera a couple years ago, before he went to live, he destroyed everybody at Tiger's tournament at the Genesis. And he won it going away in a route, Joaquin Neiman. So he's got some good history in California of playing well. I like his game for a course like this. 
Keep an eye on Neiman this week, Jeff. Okay, you mentioned the Cali guys and no direct correlation with this course to some of the other California courses. Correct. Those West Coast guys, though, Shoffley, who I'm intrigued by. I feel like he's due to break through one of these majors. I may be invested in Shoffley. Homa, everybody's on Homa. He's too trendy Everybody. for my liking. Way too trendy for my liking. And the guy I was thinking about, Mike, was Morikawa. But then I'm yeah. hearing about his back and the Got odds have problem. plummeted for Morikawa. It went from like 25 to 1. Now he's like at 40 to 1. So I'm out on yeah. Morikawa. Out of any of those West Coast guys, is there one that stands out to you? I... I got a Homa ticket back in January for the U.S. Open. Uh, I had it's one of those uh, crazy college basketball Saturdays where I parlayed it with like six other games. And now uh, I have Homa parlayed up to like 110 to 1 uh, to win the U.S. Open this week. So I'm in on Homa. It was right around after he won the Farmers. So, I, you know, I, I heard that you knew the California thing was going to be a narrative with him. He has the course record here from the Pac-12 championship when he was at Cal. So he has played here before. He knows the situation. He's never won a major, uh, which, by the way, I think I read six of the last seven U.S. Open winners had not won a major before winning the U.S. Open. So six of the last seven, John. Okay. So it's a, it's a tournament where guys have broken through for the first time, which puts the Homas and maybe the Tony Finau's and the Xander Schauffele's and some others in the mix. I am all in on Xander Schauffele. In fact, and you know I hate this guy. He has burned me many times in the past. Including the travelers. I have rebuilt a bridge with this man. And I am going to go and walk over it one more time uh, this week at the U.S. Open. He's got some stat. He's got the best uh, strokes gained approach of anyone in the last 10 U.S. Opens combined that hasn't won it. He's got all his charts and graph stuff, and he's a guy that can grind pars. I'm in on Shoffle, uh, Johnny, this week. I'll be he'll be on my card. I like the sound of that because I have and three... Morikawa. You like you said out on Morikawa. The back is a problem. You can't do it. It's just it's an absolute no go for me. You're waiting for it to give out any points. So I'm in on Deschambeau to win. I'm in on Cameron Smith to win. I also like you have a ticket on Xander Shoffle to win. Um, and I, out of the favorites, I like Sheffler the best. You like Rom the best. Yes. The matchups, Mike. For anybody yeah. who's new to golf betting, you can bet all sorts of matchups. Guys you like, guys you want to avoid, and they're fun. You could do them over the course of four days. You could do them day to day, depending on what you want to do with FanDuel. Have at it. Who do you like in matchups? I assume a bunch of these guys. But more importantly, Mike, who are we looking to fade in matchups? Well, I'll tell you one that stuck out to me is they have a Rom over Rory, and it's the price isn't awful. It's minus one twenty eight for Rom. Uh, it's a little bit of juice, but I don't think it's that bad. Uh, I don't mind going there. They have Victor Hovland over Cantlay at plus one hundred four. Uh, Cantlay, let's be fair, Johnny. I mean, he never. I, I, he is the absolute. I'll never play Patrick Cantlay, and he never wins these things anyway. Hovland is somebody maybe we should be discussing a little bit more. He's gotten closer and closer and closer every major. And it just feels like his time is coming. He broke through at the Memorial a few weeks ago. That's another trend with the U.S. Open. Guys usually who win play really well the month leading up to the U.S. Open. And Hovland would be falling into that category 
Uh, but I really like that Hovland over Cantlay at plus 104. I think that that's a great matchup for you. Uh, if you're a Cameron Smith fan like yourself, uh, they have him against Homa uh, for a matchup. How about Bryson plus 126 against Matthew Fitzpatrick? Now, he's the defending champ, and he's cerebral, which you love on these courses. But I don't think he's been playing that well since he won the RBC Heritage a few months ago. So I would maybe not mind uh, going after him. Fade Matsuyama. I saw they have Fleetwood against Matsuyama. He oh, Matsuyama killed me last or two weekends up ago. And down kill with him. Me. And here's a, here's an intriguing one. I don't know what to do yet. Seeing Justin Thomas at fifty to one to win a golf tournament is is pretty mind boggling. He's been it, so it, bad though. It Carver. speaks it's to how so awful bad he has been. But man, that's just it's like this is a guy, Johnny, who's usually fifteen to twenty two to one to win a major championship, and he's fifth forty eight fifty to one this week. It's sick, and it's almost like I, I mean, I'm going to play him on principle, Johnny, just because I have to, 50 to 1, and, and maybe he has himself, you know, but that would go against the trend of guys playing well uh, going in and winning. So that's why you got to stay away. Mike Carver, Sports Grid. Um, so the three names you're going to throw out, Rom, it sure seems like Shoffley, and then what right. would be the third? Neiman? Well, look, uh, if you want to go into the middle uh, the middle range here, and, and I know we really only did the big dogs, the favorites, here's a couple of guys that I'm keeping my eye on this week and what their number is right now uh, for overall. Finau at 34-1. to 1. He's never won a major before. Uh, I just like his setup for this course. I think he can bomb it and be able to involve. Justin Rose has been playing really well. And this is another guy who's burned me in the past, JJ, but he's a former U.S. Open winner, 48-1. to 1. He's playing some good golf. Uh, at this point. And these guys, maybe not to win, but for some T10s and some T20s, definitely Ricky for a T20. He's been playing very well recently. And Sahith Tagala, JJ, he's 100 to 1 right now. He's played this course, he said, over 35 times in his life. Uh, he can hit the ball long. I'm going to play Tagala for a top 10 and a top 20 as well. A lot of good stuff there from our main man, Mike Carver, who's all over it. Loves betting the golf. He'll be all in on the golf until we hit week one of the NFL season, until we hit Labor Day weekend, I should rephrase that, or even yes. the weekend of my wedding when we're going to have Notre Dame and Navy playing Let's the day go. after uh, when I'm nursing a nice hangover after hey, the big nuptials. I, I just hope that my quarterback and wide receiver are on the same page by the time we get to uh, the start of the football season. Jeez, what are well, we I was doing just saying, up what's, in what's, Buffalo? What's the concern oh. level there? Because, listen, Diggs had that big meltdown in the playoff game. It oh. seemed like everything was all right until you go into today where it's a, you know, it's a pissing I, match between him I, and McDermott. I guess it wasn't all right. Uh, well, it sounds to me like I, I think it's, I don't know. You see, here's the problem, JJ. He's at the facility. He does the physical and he just leaves and he doesn't hang around for the practice portion of it. You got Allen up there basically taking all the arrows uh, on Tuesday afternoon. Nah, this is a this is a non-football thing, and we're good. It's not this. It's not that. You got McDermott saying he doesn't know what's going on. Then D then Diggs puts, the agent puts all the stuff out. Everything is good. There's a, and then he goes on Instagram and is like, yeah, you keep, uh, I'm paraphrasing here. I don't have it in front of me. You keep keep telling the lies, big dog, or something like that. Who's the big dog? Is it Allen? Is it McDermott? Is it this? I mean, J.J., what are we doing here? I mean, I guess I'm glad it's the, it's the middle of June and it's not week two uh, after the Monday night game against the Jets. But God, can we get on the same page? You had six months. You couldn't figure out what the problem is with Diggs. What are they doing up there? Figure it out. Uh, I'll leave you with a parting thought. 
uh, my boss and a fan of a respective team in our division uh, wants to invest in the Patriots to go to win the AFC East. Uh, I told him he could book that action with me any day of the week. I'd be more than happy to take his action on that, Mikey boy. Oh, man, to win the AFC East? Bill wants them to win the AFC East? I don't care how good their draft was. In this uh, division, with Buffalo, with Miami, and with the Jets... Tell it like How are they this. winning this division? They're the You want to tell me they team. could go nine and you want to tell me they could go nine and eight? You and can I, tell me on them going nine and eight. They are not and I can see, and I can see why he probably did all this with you today. You know, well, Jets, we know the Jets aren't going to be as good as advertised. They never are. Things always fall apart for the Jets. The Dolphins, too, is going to get hurt. Buffalo's got dissension now with Allen and Diggs. All the clouds and all the stuff starting to come together for Bill and the Patriots up there in New England. Not this year. You're the fourth best team. It's going to stay that way, Johnny. Y'all take the action with you. Let's go. I was going to say, if the podfather decides that he wants to invest and doesn't want to do so via FanDuel, <laughs> book it. Book uh, it. me and you together, and hopefully he'll keep the price a little bit down on us because we are going to be giving him plus 750. And before we leave, one more thing. We usually kill Boone. We'll give him credit. Good job. They did. He I am going to give him credit tonight because credit. I'm going to give him credit give for two credit. things. One, he sent up Donaldson. He managed with a sense of urgency, which he never does. I'll give him sack credit for fly. that. Sack flies. Lost I love art. A sack I saw fly. you tweet that. Lost it art. Is, and you know what? It is a freaking <laughs> lost art. Do you watch bit for, for the people out there that were maybe getting lost onto art. my case a little bit? Hey, guess what? It is a lost art. I watch and games every day. Nobody can hit a sack fly. We kill Holmes. I'm stunned Holmes got those outs in the eighth inning. Nice at bat from Windor. I mean, oh, nice at bat. Can you put the ball in play? I mean, he hey. threw him a room service 3-2 fastball, Carver. Aren't you? Room aren't service. You, aren't you glad the Mets bent over backwards to get Scherzer and Verlander against the Yankees this week? They made sure those two guys are ready to go against the land of the Yankees. Well, I know this. Max is 0 for 2. We'll see about Verlander tomorrow night. Carver, giddy about that. What a shame. Folks, that's a why. Not too happy. Not too happy right about now. On that note, Mikey boy. Right. Enjoy the next couple hey. of weeks. I know you'll be in the lab. We'll talk British Open time. And yes. bro, before you let's, know it, we're going to be doing NFL over-unders, dude. It's coming soon. Let's cash this weekend. It's going to be a big weekend for the U.S. Open. They got a lot of specials out there, too. Dive in. I'll tweet a bunch of them also. First round le leader bombs. I'll tweet Wednesday night, JJ, uh, for on Thursday. Let's go. Mike, where can everybody find you on Twitter? Uh, at Carver High underscore. At Carver High underscore. You want to check that out. Got to make sure you see those leaders, those bombs. And You'll I'll get do them, them on, uh, on Sports Grid on uh, Wednesday as well, on uh, Coast to Coast, which I host Wednesdays when Scotty's out. So we'll get that going from 3 to 6 East on Sports Grid. Mikey, enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Be good, buddy. Thanks, pal. See you later. We'll be back tomorrow night. And don't forget, we'll have an SGP for Yankees Mets. We'll be at City Field. We'll have a Twitter Spaces right after the game. We'll have an SGP on FanDuel Sportsbook. You want to check that out? We will chat tomorrow. Good job by Carver. Thanks to Stefan. Twitter spaces after the game. We'll post it as a podcast. Game two reaction of the Subway Series and a doozy. Cole Verlander. Let's see if both guys can perform better than Scherzer and Severino. On that note, JJ out. Take it, everybody.